Hello, good morning. Uh, Empire of the Cop. Insider today with Neil Jones. And you know, as I just said to him just before we started, there's a lot to talk about. There's often the case, but the morning after where we saw Darwin Nunes being a goal scoring hero and a dramatic comeback for 10 men Liverpool against Newcastle. Uh, yeah, but what a game it was. And you know, I think if we, we there's plenty of things to discuss, as, as we already know. But if we go straight in with, I think, just the man who, who had a game that could turn around his Liverpool career and we just saying how important do you think that moment will be and what those two moments will be for, for Darwin Nunes? Yeah, important for him, important for Liverpool, important for the fans, I think, you know, just to, to sort of keep the mood high. You know, I, I, I said a few times in the in the build-up to the game that they had the chance to turn a decent start into an excellent one and I think they've done that now. You look, you look at the two away games they, they've navigated and and the home the home win against Bournemouth and it you have to say it's a, it's a very promising start to the season. He's probably been the one, hasn't he, Nunes, who's you know looked a bit the odd one out. If we talk about all the forwards and all the sort of you know the the positivity around the new signings and Sobersly and and you know um, Allison's form and things like that. And Nunes has been sort of on the fringe. You know, he only got four minutes against Bournemouth. He only got you know a few minutes against Chelsea. I mean, he only got a few minutes on on Sunday, but. Boy, did he use them! And I think the manner in which he took the goals—you know, both clinical finishes, the type of chances really that he was probably missing too many of last season. Um, you know, he's got a bit of time to to, to set himself, and he's got to be precise and perfectly accurate with his shot. I think that really does bode well for him. You know, he's he's had a difficult sort of start to the season. He had a half decent preseason and scored a few goals, but didn't do enough to earn a place at the start of the season and to come on and make an impact like that and to, to do it away from home even as well I think is, is even even bigger because it's just it gives that feeling of going into a, a tough place and, and coming away with three points and seeing the away fans and seeing the sort of reaction of his teammates and his, his manager I think that'll do wonders for his confidence I think Jürgen said to me afterwards in his press conference I think there was a, a quote where he said where he was asked if Nunes was in line to start against Aston Villa he said well there's worse arguments to make than, than what he did against Newcastle. So, yeah, he might get a chance at Anfield next week and let's see if he can build on that. You know, he, he had a... This time last season, you know, his, his momentum was disrupted, wasn't it, by that red card against Palace. Let's see if he can uh, start to build some in August and September this time around. Yeah, well, I think, you know, fingers crossed, we'd, we'd all agree that, you know, to have Darwin Nunes confident in front of goal, which, you know, he looked yesterday and to have him be able to come on and, you know, Maybe he's been accused yeah. of snatching the chances, hasn't he, in the past and stuff like that. But he took both of them early, but obviously it worked. Yeah. It worked. It worked. Well, it worked. yesterday. Um, if we look at me, sorry, what was, two... just before you carry on, me, I was going to say that there's there's a a, a a good point in that, really, in that in that Liverpool have worked a lot with them on on those kind of finishes. You know, they they've they've wanted them to be calmer. You know, they like the chaos that he brings and the sort of energy that he brings. You know, around the box, but you know. When he's in the penalty area, they want him to be calmer, to, to be more technically proficient, to to get those strikes off cleaner and and more accurate. And you know, listen, it's 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 two chances that he's taken. You know, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't control the first one that was put over the top by Harvey Elliott particularly well. But the two chances that came subsequently he took, it shows that whatever they've been working on with him, whatever they've been saying to him, in whatever language, because obviously he's still obviously got a problem with with his English as his post match interview shows. But it's going in and, you know, he's he's putting he's putting uh, the graft in on the training ground and he's got the talent to, to deliver as well. So really pop really encouraging for him. You know, he's had a 
he's had a lot of criticism. I think he's one of those players that's always going to get criticism no matter what he's doing. You know, he's he's kind of just that, that figure, isn't he? He's a bit divisive and he's a bit sort of easy to mock for, for rival fans and things like that. But no one was mocking him yesterday, I tell you that much. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Alan Shearer said a match of the day as well. That first when he said it was barely half a chance with that little time he had to think about it. And the way he finishes it, massive for everyone. But so if we go on to maybe two of the, I wouldn't say bad news. You can't really, you can't really be bad after a result like that. But if we look at maybe the Van Dyke red card first, and obviously it's led to a bit of debate and discussion. Just first of all, you know, if if you want to go into if you think it's a red or not, but then maybe what type of impact you reckon not having him will be? I believe it's only a one game ban because of the yeah the nature of his, his foul. But like, what impact could that have? Just you know, missing him and possibly can I say in, in our next match against Villa? Yeah, um, I think it is a red card. Um, I, I saw all the debate and the, the sort of entrenched views of it yesterday, and I think it's you know that that that, that says something about the you know it's not clear cut decision. It's not one that you sort of say, oh yeah, you no no arguments or no debate, no grey area. I I think it is. I think obviously it's a chance, isn't it? And as soon as the ball's played, I, I thought oh. Isak's in on goal and Van Dyke got across. And actually, when I first saw it, I thought, well, where the ball ends up, I thought, oh, he must have just got to, to the ball. You know, I, I was surprised the free kick was given. Then you see the replay and he's he's come through the player and taken him out, hasn't he? And so if he doesn't do that, then Isak's got a chance of, of scoring. So once you've given the foul, you've got to give the red card. And it's just the, the, the bigger worry, I suppose, is just the kind of thing that Van Dyke wouldn't do. You know, for so long in his Liverpool career, and if you think back to the start of last season, give away a penalty against Fulham, against Mitrovic, didn't he? Where he, where he just hung a leg out, he was a bit lazy. Got this instance as well, and there's just a few signs that he probably isn't as dominant, isn't as in control of situations as he was for so long in his Liverpool career. But you'll be missed against Villa, obviously. I think, especially if, and um, you know, it, it looks. It looks like there's a decent chance Canate will miss it. If it's a muscle injury, it doesn't tend to be a sort of a, a few days. That'll tend to be a couple of weeks at minimum if it's a muscle problem. Um, so I think it will be it will be a big miss against Villa. Liverpool have obviously got two centre-backs who can step in and did step in yesterday. And I thought both of them did in patches okay in the game. I thought Matt was, was decent before he, he obviously was taken off because of tired legs. But Gomez got better as the game went on. Probably lacks a little bit of aggression at times, but you know, in terms of on the ball and, and being a centre back, you know, he's, he's more than passable. So I think for for one game, it's it's not the end of the world, but yeah, you wouldn't want to be without Van Dijk or Canate for any any long period of time. And just um, in Van Dijk's case, I think it just gives a little bit of further fuel to the the idea really that he's not what he used to be, and you know. I think the big challenge for him this season is to get back to that kind of level of consistency that we came used to for so long, you know, after he after he arrived at the club. Yeah, you know, we we know in in Virgil Van Dijk, he's obviously not only one of the world's greatest defenders, maybe they obviously say he's on a decline from where he was, but obviously he's only captain as well. And I just yeah. thought it was great, you know, the way that we that video the club put out after and he's there at the door, like you know, welcome yeah. all his team, congratulating that shows he's really stepping into the role and then the, the next man I was talking about was Trent Alexander-Arnold, who I also thought, you know, that that scream in the last minute when he was in the corner, getting the fans going. And, you know, we've watched Sobbers live, McAllister, Nunes, All-Star, and, you know, a couple of years ago, obviously, most of them weren't at the club. And I, I just felt, that moment just felt like this is like the start of a, 
of a new year at Liverpool. Maybe I'm, I don't want to be as bold as to say it's got to be the, the one that's as good as the last one and wins everything. But it felt at that moment, you know, Trent was really grabbing the opportunity to be wearing the armbands, even if he's you know, just vice captain for now. I think he's really going to mature into that role. Obviously, he'll be um, he'll be captain for the next match, but. He very nearly wasn't going to be involved because of, of what happened with his two yellow cards. So I think it's quite a unanimous thing to say that Anthony Gordon pushed him. It was a joke, it wasn't a, a free kick our way. He has reacted and his yellow cards. The second one probably looks like a yellow card as well. But you know, maybe again, get your opinion on that and then how well did, did he do? Because you know, I think there was calls from, from, from Gary Neville in commentary, you need to get him off the pitch. And you know, we see Joe Gomez warming up, and I think he even looked like Trent had a little side eye seeing him and might have thought himself he was about to go off. So, you know, yeah, just firstly, do you think it was the right decision he's seen on the pitch? And then how, how well do you reckon he managed his own game afterwards? Yeah, um, it's a tough one because I think he should have been sent off after he'd been booked because it was a second yellow card, but he shouldn't have been booked. So, a sort of justice is done in a, in a in a weird sort of roundabout way, you know. I mean, I don't know how anyone would look at that Anthony Gordon challenge and not see it as a free kick. I mean, it was as blatant as you get. And obviously, he's reacted with a bit of petulance. And I know this the big focus at the moment seems to be on delaying tactics and petulance and things like that, isn't it? And okay, we'll see how long that lasts. But there's a few people falling foul of it at the moment, and um, we saw Tommy Asu, wasn't it? Fell, fell victim of it in the Arsenal game on, on Monday night. Um, once he's done it, once you've got the yellow card, you've got to be a bit careful, obviously. And the fact that I, I actually said that as he, um, as Anthony Gordon got the ball, I didn't know it was Trent coming to challenge him, but I said he's going to win, he's going to win a free kick, he's going to dive and win a free kick, he's going to jump on the floor and win a free kick. And, you know, he was touched, but that's, that's Anthony Gordon's game, isn't it? You know, he, he exaggerates contact, he draws free kicks, he wins wins fouls. And Trent needs to be a bit smarter in that situation. There was obviously, I mean, if you watch back the, the actual goal, he tries to grab Gordon's shirt, doesn't he, after he's made the, the poor touch and that could have uh, that could have ended in a red card as well. So he's obviously got a little bit of um yeah, a little bit of a chasing in that first half. But I think if you look at the way he responded in the second and you know, the fact that he's obviously had to wear the armband, he's obviously had to dig in, as all of the Liverpool players did in that second half. They were under a lot of pressure. You know, they didn't have a lot of the ball at times, but they dug in. And I think if you look back to the, the first goal, it comes from comes from Trent playing one of those Trent passes, doesn't it, into midfield, into Salah, turns it around the corner, and Liverpool go and get the, uh, the equaliser from it. And so that's the sort of... That's the trend conundrum, isn't it? You know, you, whatever whatever defensive weaknesses you point to or whatever issues you might see him have during games, he's got those moments in him, he's got that quality in him that you just can't ignore. And I think he'll be fine. And thought, I think you're absolutely right. I think that sort of raw that he, he produced right that, down near the corner flag in the last minute spoke to, I think, an understanding that this is a this is a big moment for this team. This is a big away win against the team that's flying and getting a lot of praise and, you know, seems to be on an upward curve. This is a reminder that Liverpool have still got something. They've still got some teeth. They can still bite you. They can still compete at the top end of the Premier League. And I also thought the way that he spoke in, the, in his post-match interview when he mentioned Jarrell Kwanzaa, the young lad who came on a sub, you know, name-checked him. I thought that was a real sign of captaincy, you know, or, or awareness of, of the importance of captaincy. You know, a young lad's coming on for his Premier League debut in tough, tough circumstances. Trent knows how that feels. You know, his Premier League debut, his first start, 
came at Old Trafford, didn't it? You know, he's he's wanting to make sure that a young lad who's going through the same things that he went through all them years ago is getting as appropriate um, appreciation as well. So I thought that was a, a good sign as well in terms of the leadership aspect. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, we said there as well, what he said after, I thought it was great as well. I, I'll go into that slightly after, but I just want to also mention Jürgen Klopp and, and what he did for his team after we went down to 10 men. I know he's in, especially at Newcastle, we see a lot of, of uh, coaches getting involved <laughs> on their bench. And I think you know, Pep Linders comes under, I think, often quite unwarranted criticism for, for his role in our club and I think, you know, there was a few times when he was off in the technical area shouting, but it was after a sub, it was after we'd done something, after we made the tactical switch. And I think, you know, for for, for us to manage that game, so well, obviously it all could have gone so different if like that, that Almiron goal goes in right after the first and, you know, that could have been game over. We, we lose 5-0 and it's, it's twice as time. But I thought the way that we managed that match, just it, obviously we already know that Jürgen Klopp's a great manager and we know that his coaching staff's unbelievable. But I think that just showed, you know, like, a real awareness of, of how we can get a win out of this game. And, you know, we we did to Newcastle what teams do to us at Anfield, you know, sit in, make it hard to hard to beat and work as a team. And we got the rewards and all the headlines that they will be new and there's and he gets man the match and it only came on with 15 minutes to go and all the hard work maybe had been done before that. It did seem like we just flicked a switch but right now we can win this game and how effective yeah. we were. You know, Jota was massive. The, Harvey Elliott was massive. We say Quanta came on and, and looked great. I thought every sub seemed to be the perfect time and they all had a great impact. And I, I don't really know what your comments will be on that other than saying, yeah, yeah, and Klopp's boss, which we all know. But <laughs> I think, yeah, just maybe a comment on, on how well that we managed to turn that situation around. And, you know, just congratulations to them all, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think it never hurts to be reminded a couple of things. One, that you know, Liverpool have still got very good players and the ability to bring very good players off the bench. You know, you, you mentioned there three players in particular in, in, in Nunes, of course, but Harvey Elliott, Diogo Jota, who made a big difference to the game. Not the first time that Harvey Elliott's done that this season as well. I thought he did something similar to Chelsea, you know, in, in, a, in a different circumstances, but a similar kind of requirement for him. Um, obviously, Nunes coming on with just 15 minutes to go and, and, and getting the, the the two goals. Jota added so much in terms of threat. You know, Liverpool didn't look a threat when when he when uh, Gaspo was on the field and, and once Jota was, then it was it was clear that there was something something there. Um, and it never hurts to get a reminder as well that for all that you know that there does seem to be a kind of a permanent negativity among certain sections of the fan base and among certain journalists and, and and people that these players are still behind the manager, they're still behind the club, they're still they're still fully, fully on board with what he's trying to do. You know, there's no you know, Jotter has every right to be disappointed not to start. Nunes has every right to wonder why why am I getting fifteen minutes, why am I getting five minutes against Bournemouth? You know, Joe Gomez has got every right to when he's coming on to be thinking, God, I haven't played centre back for a an awful long time. Joel Matter hasn't played for a, you know a fair while as well. But they're all Getting getting their hands dirty and willing to get stuck right in, aren't they? And you know, it was it was a bit of humility around the way that they they did it as well. They, they accepted, you know, they didn't try and sort of be maybe in the past they'd, they'd be a little bit more naive and they'd sort of still be trying to open up and and, and counter press and do all these things and they'd get picked off. 
they they sat in there and they, they accepted that Newcastle. I think it was one one moment where it flashed up on Sky where Newcastle in the second half had an eighty percent of possession. I think, and that was probably about fifteen minutes into the second half. They were willing to do that. They were willing to ride their luck, and they had to ride their luck. You know, you can't can't get away from that. If if Almiron's effort is is you know a little bit further in the corner in the first half, or if his, his one in the second half is a little bit closer, then they they scored. If Harvey Barnes gets his head up and plays the right pass, you know, just after. After Nunes has had half a chance, then the game's the game's over, and we're not having this conversation. But you need that kind of luck with ten men. And I think what was clear, and I said this, I was watching it with someone yesterday, and I said this as the game was going on. I said Liverpool fancy this. Liverpool will get something from this, and you could just sense it after about after about the hour mark. You could just sense that they were growing into it. You could sense that they were getting into the penalty area or around the penalty area a little bit more. You could sense that Newcastle were not quite making the same, you know, or having the same sort of quality in their play or making the right decisions and that's what happens in the Premier League isn't it you know it only takes a minute Newcastle make a mistake they're punished they make another mistake they're punished and Liverpool come away with it but yeah really really good for Jürgen Klopp I think he's um, you know he compared it to the Barcelona game didn't he I think when he was speaking to Sky afterwards he said it was it was you know better I think he said because it was away from home I wouldn't go that far but it was definitely another example of, of what he's built at Liverpool in terms of not just the players but the spirit as well. Yeah, well, that, that togetherness was, was really clear, wasn't it? I think the video, the the, uh, the camera cut to, to clap afterwards, he's having to, to shout Costa Simicas to come off the pitch because he's celebrating so much. And you know, <laughs> we saw Luis Diaz, who was the, the unfortunate man to be taken off for Gomez. And I think he looked a little bit confused, yeah. maybe about the decision, but obviously someone's going to have to come off, I think. But you saw his celebrations at full time. So obviously it, that was maybe just an in, in the moment reaction, but obviously he was fully behind his teammates and everything afterwards. And yeah, you say that all the players you were involved, they loved it as much as all of us, which is what obviously what you want to see as a fan is that everyone's on board together. But if we, we just maybe did the last comments on on yesterday's match and basically just what you kind of touched on there, how big Trent and, and Jürgen Klopp said this was. Do you, do you think this was a bit of a, a message to? The rest of the league to say like how big this was, or do you think this will actually be be viewed? Obviously, I think Klopp did kind of say that it's hard to say how big this game is because you don't know what follows it. Obviously, that Villa game in the season we win the league, always look back to one because because of what happened afterwards and because we went on to to have such such success from it. And you know, you can see this as the moment where you know Nuno started believing, we all started believing something would happen. But it just maybe the confidence that. Trent, I mean, the boldness that Trent and Klopp both had to say, you know, this this is one of the best results we've had since since Klopp's been manager. This is huge. Like, what did you think yeah. of those comments? Really? Yeah, I think well, it was a sign of respect for Newcastle. Big, big, big feather in their cap, isn't it? That it's viewed that way. You know, it wasn't so long ago that you know you'd be going to St James's Park and you know, Liverpool have won plenty of times there. I think it's a it's a long time since Newcastle beat Liverpool actually. Um, I think Steve McLaren was the last time the last manager. To do so, um, so it's it's a feather in their cap, and it shows how well they've grown and, and what they've built. You know, for all the, you know, for all what Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall do in terms of winding up, this, they've done a very good job at Newcastle, and that can't be ignored. Um, I think from a Liverpool perspective, I think it's, I think they're almost they're they're fighting and fighting to get back to this kind of winning mentality. And I saw Trent's Instagram, I think, was winning is all that matters. I think that's what he posted in the end. 
you know, that's what that's what defined their rise, didn't it? You know, we, we can talk about the, the wonderful moments. We can talk about, the you know, Mo Salah's goals and, you know, the, the brilliance of Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino's flicks and tricks and all these things. But what Liverpool's success was underpinned on, or for what underpinned Liverpool's success, should I say, is that they were able to win when they weren't playing well. And they did it so many times in that 2018-19 season when they went so close. The following year when they went one better, even in that 21-22 season when they chased the quadruple, the amount of games they won when they come through rocky patches, when they came through slow starts or you know they, they wobbled in the middle of the, the second half or where they needed people to come off the bench and win games for them. That was what defined Liverpool's rise for me, that they were able to find a way. And that was lost last season. You know, from the very first weekend of the season, suddenly they couldn't find a way. They were drawing games. They were losing games. They were going behind and not being able to turn it back. To do what he did at Chelsea on the first day, to ride out that storm. Obviously, to come through some of the adversity they came through in the Bournemouth game, albeit against lesser opposition, and win with 10 men. And then to do what he did against Newcastle is just reinforcing that notion that, look, this team can. This team can find a way. It's a new team. There's some new players in it who don't know about the great days of 2018 and 2019 and 2020. You know, there's, there's people who are they're, they're just building, just starting their Liverpool career. There are some who have only known negativity in their Liverpool career. You know, Darwin Nunez probably is one of those players. You know, Cody Gakpo's had a good start, but he's come into, come into it halfway through a, a season that was pretty disappointing. So these players, for them, it's it's really good to have them experience what it feels like to go to somewhere like Newcastle, to get a win like that, to see the away end, to see the celebrations in the, in the end, and then to look at the league table all of a sudden and go, I tell you what, look at that. Newcastle lost two out of three. Man United have already been beaten. You know, Arsenal drop points at the weekend. Look at that. We're, we're we're now one of the teams that have you know we're capitalising on their errors rather than rather than the other way around. And I think that's shouldn't be underestimated. It's very early in the season, but Liverpool have got two tough away games out of the out of the road. If they can beat the teams they're supposed to beat at home and get some you know decent results against the teams around them, they can go a long way. You know, still got work to do, but what a good start it's been. Yeah, well, I think with all the probably when we watch Van Dijk go off and we wonder how we can take control and basically you know to if I want to have just a bit pass away four points to beat Bournemouth relatively convincingly at Anfield within a couple of shaky moments, but yeah, to have that it is a very good start and hopefully it continues with Villa. But uh, as we must because it's still the summer technically, so like the not like it. Uh, there's, there's moving into hours rather than days of the transfer window remaining now and um, just obviously touch on a couple of things I think hopefully a quick one because hopefully there's not much to say about it but yeah in Klopp again yesterday seemed to confirm that Mo Salah's not going anywhere um, is this something that you, you think is correct or are we going to be seeing no a lot of that I think Jamie Gallagher said if it was around £150 million pounds, we might have to look at it so do you think something like that's in the final few days, or is Mo Salah safely going to be a red? I would, yeah, I wouldn't want to put me put my neck on the line and say he's going to be safe, safe for red. But Liverpool's stance has been clear; they don't want to sell him. Um, he's not for sale. It was actually the the, the, the official stance. Jurgen said yesterday. I think he was asked. Well, I think these stories aren't going away or haven't gone away. And he said to me, they have. Um, Salah certainly didn't look like someone who's lacking motivation or is you know thinking of an exit strategy at Liverpool. He was running as balls off to be perfectly honest um, on Sunday you know the shift he put in and then to still have the the presence of mind and the quality to pull off that assist in the last minute speaks volumes for him 
I think there'll still be rumblings, listeners, as long as they're trying to win those open, both in Europe and Saudi Arabia. There's going to be rumblings, and you can see that it's a very aggressive strategy from, from Saudi Arabia to sort of bring it into into the public consciousness and to, you know, to unsettle and to create this fuss and buzz around potential new signings and everyone's being linked. And, you know, I don't think it's any secret that Salah would be probably one of their prized signings, given, given his status, given, obviously, you know, the, the standing that he has in world football. Um, I don't think there's any situation where Liverpool should be considering a sale. I, I saw that the, the comments about 150 million. I don't think that's even enough for Liverpool at this moment in time. They've got so much else that they need to worry about. The idea of replacing their best player, their most important player, their most decisive player in the space of four days, just uh, I wouldn't even want to consider it. You may as well write the season off if Liverpool are going to sell no salad at this stage. Um, so hopefully they stand as firm as they've been so far. And, you know, Still, as far as I'm aware, no bid's been received. So there's, you know, the sort of the conversations you have with people as well is not to discuss until a bid is received. But let's hope that bid either doesn't come or is dismissed out of hand because Liverpool need Mo Salah going forward. They might not have him for the next two years, but they definitely, definitely need him for this season. They can't even contemplate selling him as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, I fully agree, and, and I think hopefully it seems that most people in the club agree as well, which is which is what we want to hear. Um, I, I kind of touched what Carragher said then, but obviously afterwards he came, kind of made a plea to FSG, didn't he, on, on Sky? You know, if we go and back this manager now, as we, as we touched on before, you know, we got a draw at Stamford Bridge in the opening day, we beat Newcastle dramatically, we got a good home win. This this is a good time to go and back here and clock. There's never been a bad time to do it, but this feels like you know if we can. <laughs> get him two more players he was asking for more defensive cover and, and maybe another midfielder if you can if you can back him with two more signings big things could happen maybe yeah. before we go into names how likely is it that Liverpool will complete one or two more deals before the window is up yeah I well I disagree with Carragher on the Salah points I completely agree with him on, on that one I think this is the time you know just capitalise on the mood don't allow the mood to sort of suddenly dim you know, because Liverpool haven't done what they should have done in June and July. There's still time. I think Liverpool will make at least one sign. I think I think they'll be in the market for I mean I'd, all summer I've sort of thought it'd be more likely to be another midfielder. I'm looking now and thinking probably a defender is, is more necessary. Just the numbers, just the cover. I mean you look listen, Jarrell Corns has done a great job yesterday, he came on in tough circumstances. He's twenty years of age, he's played sixteen games in League One last season and now he's played, you know, fifteen minutes in the Premier League. Don't overpromote him. Don't don't ask him to do too much too soon and, and, and risk his development in that regard. Joe Gomez done okay, but listen, Joe Gomez has had so many problems and he's you know he's not convinced when he's played centre back for the last year or two. Joel Matter had to be taken off for twenty minutes to go because he was uh, he was tired, you know, and you're talking about him being your third choice, potentially having to play every game if if, if people are injured and suspended. Doesn't really work. Canate's got a muscle injury already in the season. You know, he missed the start of last season with an injury. He's already broken down at the start of this. And obviously Van Dijk's 32. Can he play every game? No, he can't. So Liverpool need to act. And also the other thing is what happens at right back? You know, if Joe Gomez is playing centre half and you've got a problem at right back, what what would have happened if Trent had been sent off yesterday? You know, all of a sudden you're you know you're in absolute unknown territory. So Liverpool needs a defender. 
you know, they've got a problem there if they get injuries, which they will, which we know they will. History tells us they will. So they need to do something there. I still think there's another midfielder needed as well. I still think they could do it one more option. I know they've got players back fit as of today in Curtis Jones and um, Thiago. I know Bajcevic has been back on the bench the last couple of games. Um, but I still think they're one short. I still think they need another presence in there, another player who can run. You know, you've seen the impact Soboslai's made already. Having another player, I'm not saying as good as him or as, as expensive as him, but having another player who can get about the pitch for 90 minutes and has got quality, I think would make a massive difference to Liverpool. So I want to see them do something. I agree with Jamie Carragher. I think they, this is the time to sort of say, do you know what, we've got away with it a little bit. We've had a, we've had a tough July where, where key players have left. We've had a lot of criticism. We've missed out on a couple of transfers. It hasn't cost us really, because we've got seven points from nine. We're in a decent position. Go and capitalise on it. Go and get a couple of quality players and lift the mood of the fans, lift the mood of the, the team, add a bit more competition and give yourself a chance of coping with whatever the season has to come. Because, listen, they're not a million miles away from being a very good side, Liverpool. Not a million miles away at all. And two more players, one more player even, could make a big difference. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it, it would be the perfect time, as you say, and it's kind of like I said, to capitalise on this and, you know, there's never a good time for your captain to be sent off and your second or starting centre back to also be injured. But it maybe could come as somewhat of a blessing if Klopp says, "Look, it's happened already." And as you said there, you know, we couldn't afford to play, or Matip wasn't able to play the full match as well. And that's your three centre backs now unable to play 90 minutes in the next match. It is somewhat of a worry, isn't it? So. Yeah, maybe it could be a somewhat of a blessing of disguise if we, if we go and get a result against Villa and we've got it with the fact that we we now know that there is a bit of defensive frailty we've had to go out and strengthen. But if I don't want to put names in your mouth, and you know, there's always people and the, the rumor mill helps help people. I think, like you know, even we've got Villa next, and I think Kamada and he's from there have been linked several times. I think I saw some reports this morning Douglas Lee's back on it. We've seen Decore. We've seen so many different names, but then when we watch with Kamara and Sobberslide, they were just names that came and very quickly they became the core players soon after. So, obviously, it's hard to know, but if there was any midfielders that we could be looking out for in the next few days, who who would you think would be most likely or is it going to be another shock? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, if it is going to be another shock, I won't know about it. Um, but I think... You look, obviously, Gravenberg's one. Ryan Gravenberg's been one who's, who's been long on the agenda. I think you have to you have to give him consideration given his his situation of buying. You know, he, there's a chance he could be available, and if he is, then Liverpool I think will be in the mix. I think Decore, I think Liverpool clearly like him. I think the price seems seems big for for Decore at this moment. If it was a lower price, yeah, I can't see Villa letting Camera or Louise go at this stage I think they obviously they've had a pretty promising start to the season haven't they after the, after the, the slapping on the first day you know, they've, they've responded well so I think they'd want to keep their their star men and they are two of their star men they're, they're, they're really important to them so I think that would be a difficult one um, obviously there's you know, names like Kone Turam who've been linked previously Liverpool like those players it's whether whether they, they feel that the, the deal makes sense in terms of the money but yeah I think Gravenberg would be the one that I would I would have highest on the list. Obviously, there's still Andre as well in Fluminense, but that looks like one that probably is going to be difficult to do in this window. But yeah, there's there's a the good news, I suppose, about it compared to this time last year, where they ended up with Arthur Mello, 
on loan. Whereas they, they weren't really in a position where there was a, a huge list of names that they could sort of look at and say, well, which one works? They, they were almost painted into a corner where it was like, well, we've got 24 hours to find someone available now. And they, they ended up with Arthur. This time they've done a lot of work. They've got a lot of names on the list. They've got a lot of groundwork that's been put in with agents, with clubs. They've got a good understanding of the market. You know, obviously, it's been a bit crazy, the market, in terms of midfielders. and They've, they've discovered that you know, painfully recently. But they've got a good understanding of the market, so it should enable them that when an opportunity does arise, that they're in a position to react and get a deal done. So I don't think it'll be as difficult for Liverpool to find a midfielder as it was this time last year when they ended up with, you know, and no disrespect to Arthur, it wasn't his fault. They ended up with, you know, a, a really, really poor signing. Yeah, I think we ended up with, with half and half. I didn't really didn't even get to play properly. But um, if we just touch on... Yeah, well, yeah, if we, if we touch on, finally, they were just defenders. Pretty much the same question again. It, there hasn't been many like, massively linked names that we've seen. I think, is it Pacente? I'm, again, my pronunciation isn't great from Bayer Leverkusen, but linked a bit. And then, obviously, I think the only other one... Incapier. Incapier. Yeah. Incapier, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, sorry. And uh, also, I like, think Mickey van der Ven was the only other defender we've seen, like, maybe half linked to this window. So he's now gone to Spurs. So, is there, is there anyone that you know of that Liverpool are looking at? Or again, are we going to be surprised with the name that we haven't even considered in one day in the problem? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... There's a lot... It, it's a really tough profile that Liverpool are looking for. They're looking for someone who's young, younger than 23, you can play sort of in a back three, but, you know, not Liverpool aren't going to play a back three as such, but he's got a bit of ability to play out of the middle as well, play right or left, ideally left, really. I think Liverpool are weaker in terms of left-sided centre-backs. They've obviously got Van Dijk, but he's obviously of an age where they need to start thinking about competition slash support for him. Um, it's. I don't think they'll go and buy a fullback, a, a specialist fullback. I think obviously they still got Simicast. They've got Conor Bradley as a young lad there. I think it needs to be a defender who can play in two positions, and whether that's right centre back and left centre back, or right back and right centre back, or left back and left centre back. I think it needs to be a player like that, and it's got to be a player that probably doesn't expect to go straight into the team. So. You're looking at that and you're thinking, that is a difficult profile. You know, who are you going to buy for? Or how much are you going to spend on a player that's going to come in? And, and you know, Sod's law would be that all the centre-backs stay fit and all of a sudden you've got him or Joe Gomez not even getting on the bench or Joel Matip or whoever. So it is a difficult one. I understand it. But there are players out there. I mean, Liverpool, Liverpool have like, I've named a few players in the past, but Hincapier at Bayer Leverkusen is one that they like. I think there's a guy called Fiate from Rennes they like um, or, or certainly got potential there's um, obviously they've, they've like Levi Colwell previously but that's that's a no-go Van der Ven went to Spurs but you can see the sort of the, the profile of those players at the left side and centre-backs you know young sort of developmental potential um, and around the sort of 35-40 million pound mark rather than you know the Guardiola level of 70 or 80 so we'll see we'll see what comes of it I mean I haven't I haven't heard any sort of names that I'd, I'd hang my hat on and say yep they're going to go after him or they're going to they're going to really try and push for that one it's not like the midfield situation where you've got a clear idea of, of who they're after or who they, they've they've looked at 
but they have to find someone. I, I I just can't believe that they would they would do it again after doing it last season with the midfield, after doing it in 2020 with the defence when they left themselves one short. It would be unforgivable for Liverpool to to do it again. It would be, it would just be undermining of all the good that's going on at the club and there is a lot of good going on. They've done really well with Soberslide. They've done really well with McAllister. We'll see what comes of Endo. Um, you know, they've, they've developed players like Curtis Jones to really, you know, develop them into first-team players. Harvey Elliott, Stefan Bajcetic. Um Don't undermine that by sitting on your hands and, and, you know, making out that you can't improve this squad. You can improve this squad. It's quite clear. Well, yeah, well, fingers crossed. We, we are looking back at the end of the window with a couple of new signings, and we're all thinking this is this is our season. Just the very last question for you, Sean. It, it, I don't know how you would know, but just maybe out of interest. Obviously, we see the Moises Caicedo budget has been slightly chipped into by signing Endo, which is like eighteen mm. million pounds around there. Just how much do you think Liverpool will spend before the window closes? I think if we look at that budget, we've got about eighteen, eighteen million pound left. What? How yeah. much? Is yeah, I mean, listen. I, I think it's that's a bit too simplistic to say. I've got this budget. I think that's 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 the budget for a certain player, isn't it? I think that's the budget for Caicedo. They they believe that that was potentially worth it. You know, it's a high fee. They wouldn't pay that, but they wouldn't just say, "Well, okay, we're going to pay 110 million for Caicedo, so we'll pay it for Kefren Taram." They would have a valuation of him, which they they would stick to. They wouldn't they wouldn't you know use up. Or, or say, well, we've got this money, we need to we need to get rid of it. You know, it's not like that. It's but they have what what it does prove is that they have got the, the means to get a deal together if they feel it's the right deal. So I think, you know, you, you, you can't they can't use money as an excuse in this this window. They can't use the fact that, oh, you know, the players aren't out there because they are. It's just what is the right player and what is the right deal. So I, I don't have I don't have any doubts that if Liverpool find the right player, the right deal, they'll spend the money. It's just who is it and what is the deal. Yeah. Okay, that, that's fair enough. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, um, no I think if, if we're um, obviously we're, we're well, obviously we're hoping that the window closes with um, some some good deals that will will see us launch an attack on. And trying to win the Premier League, and I think what you've said there, that there is a chance that we could be welcoming one or two new players, and that is um, that's something that hopefully should be seen as, as exciting. But regardless of all of that, we've proven in the first three games that we've got a team that can compete against anyone in this league. Obviously, I think we haven't played Man City and Arsenal yet, but I don't think we're going to play many better teams than Newcastle and um, Newcastle away, and we don't really know what Chelsea is going to be like. But it's been a good start to the season, and obviously, just thanks very much today for for joining us and having the breakdown on, on Newcastle and what might happen before the window closes. Um, obviously, anyone watching, we've had Neil Jones with us again. Um, you can view his work on the Substack, which is neilj.substack.com and also on Twitter, which you can see on the screen as well there, at Neil Jones Goal. Uh, if you're watching this on our YouTube, please make sure, obviously, to, to give it a like, give it a subscribe, give all the stuff that you normally do and normally ask to do on YouTube. Give us a comment if you can. Uh, audio is also going to go on our Substack, so obviously keep an eye on the Substack, see what the transfers are, and also you can have a little listen to this back and see what else we're talking about before the transfer window closes. Ours is empirethecop.substack.com. Uh, you've been listening or watching Empire of the Cop Insider. Thank you very much. Um, up the reds and let's hope that this, this ends positively when we see September arrive and when we next face Aston Villa. Thank you.